Welcome, everyone, to the Arium Podcast. This podcast covers topics related to cyber and human resilience. The content is geared towards owners and CEOs of small and medium-sized businesses, as well as to IT and cybersecurity leaders. My name is Ardo Kane. I'm the field CISO at Arium. Our episode today will discuss phishing, specifically voice and text phishing. Everybody's used to the email phishing, but this is taking it into different vectors. You know, you're you're seeing uh, voice and text as well as other you know, phishing in, in Facebook and in, in LinkedIn these days. Joining me today is Fayon Atkinson from Corvus. How are you doing, Fayon? I'm good, Art. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm glad that you were able to make time and come. You know, we love Corvus, and so having somebody from Corvus to be able to to speak to, uh, you know, relevant topics for our client base is, is, is awesome. So we ask everybody that joins, how do you start your day? Yeah, so <laughs> interestingly, I am not a morning person, um, but to start my day, I like to have uh, a cup of green tea and sometimes avocado toast. I really love avocados. And I like a, a list. I am a list person because I lose track easily. Easily, so you know that's how I kickstart my day with a list and some tea. <laughs> awesome. And a, a, a cybersecurity professional that uses lists, I, I, I uh, <laughs> that is that is uh, pretty stereotypical here. Yeah. Where uh, you know <laughs> tend tend to be the organized ones. Yeah. So that's where stereotype. We're discussing exactly, exactly. Now I love the tea too, but uh, I've been doing way too many energy drinks lately. So when we're discussing voice and text phishing, um, you know, have we seen that escalate lately? Uh, is that is that something that is really uh, prevalent now? Is that something you've been seeing a lot? Yeah, yeah. So uh, smishing and um, vishing, right? I would say uh, there's definitely a Bike in voice and text phishing lately, especially with the, the growth of AI. Um, I know AI is readily accessible to everyone. And so people are just, you know, throwing at bad actors or just the regular guy or gal is just leveraging that to, to do these type of um, phishing attacks for sure. Yeah. Now, now people, anybody can use AI to craft amazing phishing attacks, regardless of what what medium or avenue you're using to send the phishing? Um, you know, email ones are getting incredible now. Um, as far as voice and text phishing, uh, you know, you mentioned phishing and smishing. Can you kind of go into what those are for those who aren't really familiar with voice and text phishing? Yeah, yeah. So I would say voice and text phishing, short uh, voice being phishing and um, text or SMS is smishing. I would say they have essentially the same goal, right? Essentially, they are targeting individuals and tricking them to get some sort of sensitive information such as identity theft, um, account takeover, or usually always mostly financial gain, right? Mm -hmm. And so by text, it's literally what it says. They send something via text message. It could be a link. It could be a, a message that warrants some sort of immediate action or on a, via phone call, or sometimes they'll leave voice messages saying, hey, this is urgent and have mm -hmm. someone provide sensitive information. 
I've been getting a ton of those lately. Um, as far as, <laughs> yeah, it just seems like, you know, I'm almost afraid to answer the phone when it is uh, not a contact I know, but, you know, <laughs> because, it, you know, chances are it's a threat actor trying to manipulate information out of me, you know, so it's, it's a, uh, it really changes how we think about our phone as communication device nowadays. So as far as, you know, phishing techniques, you know, we've, phishing is really social engineering. As you mentioned, it's, it's kind of, you know, the, the threat actor is trying to get information from you. You know, they're usually your creds, you know, or getting you to sign into something for them. But, uh, you know, it could be something else that they could be using. Um, as far as well-known phishing techniques, we've seen, at least I've seen, uh, you know, a lot of what I would consider caller ID spoofing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people pretending to be someone else when they are calling you. And I know, you know, when you're setting up a phone line, you can really set up, set it up to be whoever you want, you know, appear that way when you're making a call. You know, so I could set up a new phone line and say that my caller ID should say the IRS. And so when I call somebody, it'll show that the IRS is calling. Um, as far as caller ID spoofing and impersonation, is, is that really what we're discussing? Or is there, is there more to it that you know of? Yeah. Um, so I've seen the the caller ID spoofing in, in terms of the, the, the phone phishing. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen the, with the with the text message. I've seen the um, the technique of I've I've gotten actually the the FedEx ones or the UPS ones mm -hmm. the, the mail like hey you have this package or sometimes I'll see the bank account ones where it says oh your card has been blocked if you log in so now you're clicking on a link and then you're putting your banking information and then boom someone steals your credential to your banking information um, those are just some of the the known common techniques I've seen. Yeah, I think the, the UPS or FedEx ones are so common. And then, you know, the invoice fraud, you know, concept. And I've gotten them via text message as well. You know, your invoice is, is ready, uh, you know, putting your payment information. Um, your, your invoice has been approved. Click this link and put in your payment information, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, somebody who isn't really on their toes might just be like, oh, I'm about to receive money. Let me put in my info. So uh, it is something to watch out for. Uh, you had mentioned earlier urgency. Um, yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I, I think the language in in some some of these messages or on these phone calls it it sort of tricks someone without even thinking because they sort of give you an extra push like, hey, do this quickly. Like I have an interesting story of, you know, these um, these smaller chain hotels, um, like the three-star hotels, I don't want to say names here, but, you know, they'll have a worker or work, someone working like overnight, like the, the front desk person working overnight. And so it's like 3 a.m. And so they got a call from someone pretending to be IT support. And they're like, hey, you have to update your system immediately. And, you know, being that early, they are probably, you know, not aware of what's going on, thinking it's normal procedures. They allow someone access that the person on the phone, tell them, hey, you need to do this, download this, we're going to send you a link. And they followed suit yep. and essentially gave someone access to, to the company's um, 
computer and their network. So yeah, it's that sort of urgency. And I think these guys are very tact- tactful when when identifying like, okay, what are we going to do this? How are we going to approach it? But yeah, that sense of urgency. The IRS one is usually around the tax time, like around February, yeah. January. So yeah, it forces people to like, oh my gosh, something's going on. Let me do this immediately. Yeah. Absolutely. And what you said with that kind of case study about the the hotel, uh, that kind of, you know, not only impersonating IT support, but using urgency together, um, really making it so it's, it's extremely believable. And the person's not really taking time to think about it. And uh, it, it would be easy for most people at most organizations to fall for that kind of thing. You're getting a call, you know, it, it, at an odd time. And so it's got to be an emergency because it's not during normal work hours, you know, so now they're, you're, you feel pressured into service, you know, to do what you need to do. And uh, yeah, that's exactly why people fall for that. That's a great case study. I'm sure from, from where you are, are you seeing a lot of uh, kind of cases come in that are uh, related to, you know, loss that is related to, to fishing? Um, yes, we'll see some level of loss, especially with the invoice manipulation, um, a a ton. Um, and sometimes we'll see, this one is very old, right? So I'm sometimes usually like surprised or alarmed that, you know, we still have victims or people fall victim for the, the, the credit card or not the credit card, the gift card scams, you know, um, they'll get a text message. It could be like from the CEO and saying, Hey, go get this. This should be a surprise for the entire team because everyone is performing so well and someone go out and buy. But, you know, I think they usually target like newer employees. And I think that's why they fall victim. And I see a loss there. And then also with the invoice manipulation. And again, we talked about with AI, how um, with the help of AI, they can easily um, do, do just about anything right and so with the invoice manipulation adjusting the contact information someone picks up the phone even if they have the policy in place and the organization picking up the phone to call this person saying hey did you make this adjustment most times they'll call the contact that sends that text message or email and so they're speaking to uh, an impersonator as opposed to a legitimate contact so yeah that results in, in in losses sometimes yeah, I'd imagine that the uh, the like Apple Card or the Google Play Card, um, you know, and even though it's been out for what fifteen years, you know, mm-hmm. has is still you know effective, you know, especially if you're framing the story where it makes sense. Hey, go and buy this for everybody, you know. Um, we're we're going to do this, you know, that kind of thing. Um, as far as things that have changed and, and kind of new fishing techniques. Um, is there anything new that you're seeing now that, or is it all pretty much the same thing just through text and voice now? Yeah. Um, I think an interesting one is that sextortion scam. I feel like I've seen that. Um, I've even personally, I don't think I've gotten like the nude searches or text, but I've gotten mm-hmm. like, Hey there, do you remember me? Which is interesting because sometimes I think someone has the wrong number and I'm like, hey, you have the wrong number. And they continue to have that conversation. I was like, oh my gosh, did I fall victim to something? (laughs) 
Yeah, I've actually been getting that at least once a week, it seems like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and even start the conversation, but I know it's going to lead to either that or a threat actor trying to manipulate information out of me. You know, it's a, it's a strange number and it's a, hey, um, or, you know, I had a great time last night or something like that, or just starting a conversation like that and you know, where it, it's clear that they're expecting a response and, you know, it, it's just somebody baiting you. And now with the use of AI, that can all be automated. So they can be doing it to 30,000 people at a time and really running that whole phishing scam through chatbots. So yes. it, it's, uh, it, it makes it, I think it makes the volume higher and with the higher volume, it's going to make a, a chance of success higher. Yes. Threat actor is going to hit somebody who's going to fall for it, Someone. and uh, that—that's the scary part. Yeah, you know, I've—I've I've, um, so I have the iPhone, and so there's this feature where you can block a number if they text you or report it as spam or or some some feature they've mm. added recently to the newest updates. And for those same text messages, I feel like I've blocked those numbers in the kit they kept coming back like i was like how is this even possible with a different name like hey this is whoever and it's the same formatting you know you can definitely tell it's like you know a chat bot or something but yeah they don't give up <laughs> yeah yeah one of the things that actually frustrates me about the phones the smartphones and everything is that in like i, I use an android and in the droid in the call settings i have pretty much my security set as high as possible. I'm like, if it's a spam caller, you know, send it to voicemail, um, you know, automatically reject that kind of thing. They still come through mm-hmm. and they're still labeled as probable spam or probable scam call. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why is the phone letting it through? So whatever manipulation they're doing on their end, you know, whatever, you know, number skipping or, you know, impersonation or, you know, whatever tricks they're playing on their PDX side of the, uh, you know, the phone system side of the attack, uh, you know, it's getting past really like the normal security controls. So there's there's not a lot to do right now to actually avoid that. You just have to be intelligent <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely um, be vigilant for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So. Some other types that we've seen, you know, the tech support you mentioned where they're really trying to get remote access. Um, the bank impersonation uh, is one. I've seen ones from, you know, PNC Bank, you know, different banks where it'll look like a bank, you know, sending you a thing saying, you know, click here and reset your PIN. There's been an uh, access, fraudulent access to your account. Uh, sign in here and and reset your pin or something like that and it, it's not the bank it, it's actually the threat actor just trying to grab your uh, banking credits and you know there's the irs around tax time um debt collector is another one too it's it's where they're you know really threatening action if you're not paying a debt and it's it's uh, again it's a way to you know then they're going to say okay well i'll take payment from you over the phone give me your payment information and we'll settle this debt um you know and that can be scary because sometimes you're like okay how do they know about these debts because some of them are using real debts yeah but 
uh, they have access to your credit, et cetera. It's, you know, they're already looking at information about you when they're making these calls. So they know that, you know, hey, you have this much credit card debt, you know, I'm going to call and pretend like I'm this company trying to deal with it, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I have a, a few voice messages about debt, you know, some of them are not legitimate or um, yep. let's see, some of the other, I can't remember the other ones, but I do have a couple messages. And as soon as like, if I see a number and it doesn't have like scam likely, cause that's what pops up on mine. And I answer and I hear, hello, you have, you owe this amount and to make a payment, press this. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do they even know this information? But you know, yeah. usually when it comes to, to stuff like this, I tell everyone, you know, most of us, our information is already out there. So it's easy for them to, to access it anyways. Um, it's just trying not to fall victim to, to those scams. Absolutely. So verifying the threat actor against your PII is not really a good way to to uh, ensure that they aren't a threat actor. You know, yeah. the hacker has access to all the information about you on the internet, so yeah. they can act like they have that information. You know, um, so yeah, that's that's scary, and so you don't know which ones are the real like who's the real billing department and who's the scam billing department. And so it's uh, you know, maybe just wait for the, the bill in the mail and deal with it that way rather than a phone call. Um, exactly. Yeah. So the kidnapping call. Um, I've seen some press about this recently with AI where they have called a person and demanded a ransom for basically saying that there's a kidnapping and, you know, saying that, you know, we have your daughter, you know, and, you know, proof of life, they're giving their voice, a voice sample, you know, on that and able to give a completely believable kidnapping story and demand a ransom. And when, in fact, the kid's fine, you know, the daughter's in college, you know, nothing ever happened, but uh, the threat actors were using that information, voice samples, et cetera, to formulate this fraud call and then demanding wire transfer ransom for that. So that's obviously it's far beyond just phishing at that point. You know, there's a lot of things going on, but that's just to illustrate really how far this can go um, via, you know, via telephone, you know, via phone call. And there's a lot of manipulation and a lot of social engineering going on. A lot. And um, using AI does not help either. I, I can just imagine. And we talked about that urgency, that sense of urgency again. It's like it's a kidnapping. We need it now. No time to think. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I can't imagine what it would be like to get one of those calls. And AI generated deep fake off of your, uh, you know, your kid's voice to sound like your kid is actually saying, you know, whatever the kidnapper is trying to get them to say uh that is you know <laughs> that's ridiculous and the fact that all that tech is right there for anybody to use right now is uh is is the scary part so it's really you're depending on human ethics <laughs> to, to not stop this there's not a whole lot of technical control that can prevent this at this point it's it's, it's really not and i'm really interested to see how 
you know, the law enforcement is going to approach this, you know, as, as tech evolves, as AI evolves, you know? I wonder how much, how many crimes are going to get blamed on AI rather than the human behind it or, yeah. uh, you know, uh, get blamed on the tech or, or really and in, in through automation systems and, and, you know, how it'll be really hard to hold people responsible for some of these things. And uh, to me, that's like, it's just accelerating the threat with more anonymity and with better, um, you know, just better fraud and better social engineering. And it, it's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if law enforcement is going to be able to keep up at all, but it would be cool if they could. <laughs> <laughs> it would be. <laughs> yeah. So text, um, you know, the, the wrong number text, uh, have you seen any crypto scam texts? I don't know that I have seen any of the crypto ones. Mm. Yeah, I haven't either, but uh, I hear that is something that is, is happening a lot right now. And it, it may just be that the circles that I'm in, you know, I'm not on that <laughs> list. <laughs> but the sex uh, Dorton scam, I have gotten, you know, I, I received that via email. And, uh, you know, they do a similar thing via text where they say, hey, we've hacked your phone. You know, we here are all your, you know, we have access to your, your, you know, nude selfies or whatever. And, you know, here's a click here and, and go and pay, you know, and we won't release it to the world. And of course, I'm just like, okay, release it, you know, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, there are some people I've actually gotten calls from, from clients that have been very concerned about this and are like, well, somebody has access to my phone. I need to pay the ransom right now. Um, and what I will say to people, anyone listening to this is that no one actually hacked your phone in this case. Uh, they're sending that, that using information that they've found on breach sites to everybody. Um, you know, they're, they're giving, they're, they're using information that is available to them to manipulate you using the scam. So, um, you know, you, you may have seen the ones where it's like, hey, we know your password was this. Um, you know, we have all of this data about you. And that password may have been some password that was breached, you know, Something two years like ago. Yeah. 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 I think didn't the sextortion scam sort of peak during the the pandemic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, because I think we've yeah. seen a few cases that come in related to this. Um, yeah, they basically moved it to the phone now instead of just you know was just you'd get the email. Um, now you'll get a text message, and but it's really the same thing. And we mentioned the FedEx and, and UPS um, getting those text messages and notifications. Uh, you know, one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, if we're getting a notification via text about a, a package delivery and saying click here, et cetera, on, on the text message, you may not have ordered something. And so you don't need to go clicking the links in there. And uh, that is one thing that I have seen people even that, that I know fall for uh you know that are very you know security minded people that have fallen for this because they're like oh well someone must have sent me something 
let me log in here and get the tracking information. And that is, is really effective because everybody likes to receive packages. Everybody likes to get mail. <laughs> we'll do it. You know, exactly. So that that's one that, you know, has jumped from email to text very effectively and uh, that they're, they're using right now. Yeah. And I would say the, the, like paying attention to the URL sometimes is super helpful because it doesn't look anything like, you know, like a FedEx or a UPS um, URL. And then sometimes the, the language is a little off. It's like, this doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense, you know? So yeah, that one, um, it's super easy to fall victim, especially for someone who's mm -hmm. not very security mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially um, when you're getting texts, a, a lot of people are sending the shortened URLs. So it's like bit.ly and then, um, you know, the rest of some, some code for the URL. In general, don't click on this. Like, you yeah. know, <laughs> they, it, it could be legit, but, uh, you know, it's also a great way to mask a bad URL. So you mentioned a couple things. You mentioned, you know, urgency, uh, the language, looking at the URLs, um, et cetera. Do you have any other guidelines on like how to recognize phishing? Yeah, um, some some other. So I mentioned URLs. Um, so I would say like government entities will never like send a text message or call you to do anything. You're likely going to get something in the mail. Um, so just be mindful of that. Even with the banking um, alerts, those fake bank alerts. Um, nine out of 10 times, it's not going to look like how they formulate it. And then also I would just rather call my bank first before just clicking on anything else. Um, we talked about that sense of urgency. And then I also mentioned some of the, the language, the language oftentimes doesn't, doesn't make sense. So those are just some of the yeah. ways to, to recognize some of the, those type of, uh, scams or phishing attacks. It seems like a lot for people to keep track of, but once you get in the rhythm of it, 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 it can be easier. You know, it, it's just like gaining awareness to all those things. Yeah, I would say um, pause before doing anything. Just, okay, take us, let's take a step back. And okay, what are the things that our Fayon talked about? Um, is it an urgent text message or phone call? Okay, maybe let me take a step back and hold off or let me investigate uh, personally before I do anything or follow the directions of this text message or phone call. And if it's something regarding work like that, uh, that, that hotel, um, call, you know, with the tech support, uh, it seems urgent. So it seems like something to, um, jump on. But, uh, one of the key things for anything is, is voice verify where you can with someone else and, you know, I'd say the appropriate thing there would be to hang up with that person and say, okay, let me call your manager and, and see if you can call IT and get more details. But, uh, you know, I know in the midst of it, nobody's thinking that. So that can be very hard. And can you think of other ways that, that phishing or, or vishing or smishing uh, affects businesses? I know that we've talked a lot about these affecting really individuals, but from a, a business point of view, uh, how have you seen it impact companies? Yeah, I would say 
for for companies, it's usually that big financial loss and reputational loss too, right? Um, because especially with the that invoice manipulation or request for a fraudulent um, request to send funds to that fraudulent, you know, the fraudulent funds transfer, sending funds to that fraudulent bank account, um, or even with employees um, payroll manipulation is is big. It, that's a big big one. Um, so yeah, usually a ton, a ton of financial loss, and especially if a business works with, you know, customers or vendors directly, um, that reputational loss is, is also a huge, like that business relationship, it's, it impacts that. I've seen that uh, quite a bit. Yeah, the, the payroll one adds a, a little, uh, a little complexity to it, because usually I go out of the way to, to really tell, you, you, you go out of the way to train your finance people and the people that are in procurement and the people that have authority to spend money and use money, um, you train them in, in fraud prevention and, and they get some extra, you know, voice verify, stuff like that. They get some extra training and, and some some extra controls around them. But if you're, if they're attacking just every employee, you know, with payroll fraud, you know, links to verify their, their, you know, paychecks accounts or to, you know, change their payment information, et cetera, then it's targeting people that may not have had that fraud training. And so they aren't as aware as somebody in the finance department might. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some, some business too may not have a, a policy where they, you know, just call that employee or whatever protocol they have in place to, to like you said, validate just, Valley, check all the boxes before uh, going through with any any financial adjustments. I would say, yeah, they they I've seen where they don't do that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I have. It seems every company has their own policies, um, you know, and and a lot of people uh, play it loose because they think they know who the customer is that that's contacting them, and that's where that impersonation can really bite you because you know you think you're you you trust this customer that you're getting this invoice from but it's really some some hijacked account or uh a a another account a gmail account maybe that says the person's name or says that company's name and uh is then trying to you know manipulate you to to pay an invoice to a different account number etc yeah, yeah. Even with the payroll, I know sometimes um, with companies that the payroll could be tied to the personal account. So while it's your your corporate email, could also using your your personal email as a, a sort of a, a secondary email, and so they may have gotten access to that email. Or you know, we're getting into you you know so, some level of social engineering, business email compromise there. But they could use that information because most times it's public, right? And yeah. they could spoof do like changing like a letter or so in that email and request it from HR and then boom you know payroll is being deposited into that fraudulent bank account um easily because you know someone didn't call that employee saying hey did you make this change uh we need to just validate or verify that you did yeah yeah I, I think that you touched on something there too uh with with just you know BEC being different than phishing um and 
I think it's important for us to, to recognize these are different kinds of attacks, but they uh, definitely can be linked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, phishing may be how someone gets a hold of your account, you know, and, and then from that account, they're starting to do other invoice fraud and things like that. So uh, keeping an eye out for that, that phishing is kind of that, that, that front door there. Um, as far as the staff training, we talked, you talked a lot about, you know, what to watch out for. What do you think about as far as like an interval? How should companies bite off that task of training their team? Yeah, I would say security awareness training is something at Corpus we push for. Like every time I get on a call with someone, I was like, yeah, make sure you do security awareness training because that human error is usually the the sort of the biggest uh, pain point. Um, so most standard, what we'll see is quarterly training um, and then doing some level of uh, security awareness training quarterly and doing, you know, routine phishing training. And then if someone falls victim or, you know, they, they bite the bait, uh, you, you do additional training for them. So I think quarterly is sort of a good uh, benchmark. And as far as the phishing training, have you been seeing anybody that's capable or, or using like SMS phishing training? I don't know that we've seen SMS phishing training. I've, I haven't seen it on, on my side. Nope. Do a ton here of, of training and I haven't been a victim yet. Um, but these are mostly email. Um, <laughs> nope. Have you seen the SMS? No. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I've thought about how to do it, you know, if I was going to build my own tool. But, you know, all of the normal phishing training tools out there are all email based. So, yeah. Uh, you know, as far as actually giving someone that SMS look, it, it, it's not something that's built in the current solutions, at least that I've seen so far. So it would be easy to pull off because there are a ton of ways to send a, a text message, you know, via API call, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it could be written into software to start doing that. But, but right now it's like a, we have to depend on um, email phishing training to really get people's awareness up so that they're able to watch for it across any platform. Um, and just hopefully 100%. that's transferable. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd say staff training is, is crucial. Um, including, you know, just whenever there's a, a training include all types of, uh, cybersecurity attacks. As far as security protocols, you know, we have talked about training. We talked about, uh, doing voice verification, you know, and that's when you're, you know, you receive a, a text or a phone call about something and, you know, you need to call the bank, let's say, and verify that this uh, call you received or that this text you received is legitimate or this email. Um, it's, it's really verifying a transaction or verifying a change, that kind of thing. What other security protocols, like it just seems like there's so so much lack of control over phishing, especially with SMS and with with uh, voice. Are there any security protocols that companies should put in place to help protect them beyond training and maybe voice verification? Um, so phishing as an umbrella, I would say, and while this it's it's not applicable to, to phone and voice, but for emails, routine password changes um, for 
financial accounts, if you've gotten some sort of SMS or some call about it, changing password, um, building out um, policies in, in your organization where employees can can easily, easily follow guidelines on, okay, that verification, contact the financial institution if, if something happens. Sharing this information with others. So if you've noticed something, reach out to IT and say, hey, I noticed something. Maybe IT can develop a, a sort of a training across the company. Um, those are just some of the, the controls. Um, from the IT perspective, um, I think last year, Mitel had a vulnerability for their voiceover um, IP. And I would say for those that use those, routine patch management is, is essential here. Yeah, and what, what that really enables is for people to hijack those lines. And, exactly. And which allows that, that impersonation that we're talking about. And, uh, you know, somebody can call you pretending to be this company that they basically hijacked the phone system of. Exactly. And, and with uh, that one, there's no scam likely or, you know, um, fake number showing up. This is a legitimate line. <laughs> yep, exactly. You're actually using that company. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's definitely something if you have a phone system internally at your business to make sure that it is managed and patched by someone because there are new vulnerabilities coming out all the time. Um, as far as uh, other security controls, I know it's beating a dead horse, but I'll never stop on this one, MSA, um, just because, you know, even if you're hijacked via, you know, a voice call or a text message, let's say you get a text message and you go and log into some site and you just gave them your creds, um, you, you know, that it's still important for you to have MSA across your financial institutions across you know all of your email accounts all of your remote access accounts etc um so that if those creds if, if you just did make a mistake and gave the creds to the threat actor you didn't just give them access yeah. <laughs> by by giving you know by not having mfa so uh, it's one thing that i've been just drilling at everybody uh, mfa and it's i get the most pushback from the people that are actually the biggest targets yes. like the ceos of the company yes. <laughs> don't want to enable MFA. They're the ones that everyone's trying to attack. Like they're the target, uh, you know. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah they'll be so, they'll, they'll be the one to say, "Oh no, that's um, that's taking too much time. I don't want to do that." And it's like, no, but they target you. The other one I would throw in there too, in addition to just MFA, is um, securing email, um, sort of like email filtering. Um, even though this is particularly for email. Um, you can, you know, have those um, options to really scan for targeted executives, so CFOs, CEOs, and, and so forth. Yeah, and, and some of those controls can kind of help if, if you're a part of a bigger campaign that may be affecting your voice and text. Uh, having that email security may draw your eye to another problem. Um, what I mean is, Let's say you get a text message or a phone call from someone saying, hey, this is so-and-so support. Uh, there's an emergency we need to get into your computer. I'm going to email you this link. Can you go to this link and download this, this package? And then you're like, okay, I'm waiting on my email. And then you get the email comes through and there's all these flags that are saying, highly suspicious, do not click. This is phishing. Yeah. This is I'm like, if you have the right security tooling, um, you know, it's less likely that you'll click on that thing then. 
<laughs> because it, it, it has already been red alerted by the system. Uh, yeah. You know, something that is just text is probably going to get away. You know, it's not going to get picked up, but something where it's, it's a part of, you know, their, their process is also using email. Email security can actually help you there. Yes, I, I agree. But yeah, MFA, uh, I, I push for that. And I think for us, that's like, you know, a requirement for most organizations. Um, and it's super, super easy to enable now. Like everyone's doing it, some level of MFA now. So we, we've talked about a lot around phishing and phishing is, you know, it, it feels old to me. Like it feels like, okay, we're having another thing about phishing, but there has been so much that has changed. And especially with the introduction of AI really in this last year um, that has really you know, escalated the capabilities of the threat actor. So it's, it became relevant again and more relevant than ever. Uh, before we conclude, is there anything that you'd like to kind of add about you know, Corvus, about how people can help protect themselves, about anything, you know, your favorite color? <laughs> yeah, um, I would say at Corvus, we have a in-house cyber expert. So incident response is cybersecurity, threat intel, and we help or policyholders right throughout their journey with us. And so we have a lot of resources available, whether that's, you know, an article about what we're seeing in the cyber threat landscape or an article about MFA and how to implement it and why it's important across the board. Uh, we have that available. Um, it's, it's on our website. We have blog posts that go up corvusinsurance.com. Uh, we work with uh, a lot of third parties. If, if someone's looking for an, you know, an outside party to, to come in to assess their environment to say, here's what you need and here's how to prevent something like this from happening. Um, we work with Arium too. Um, they're on our vendor um, dashboard. So yeah, um, Corvus is, is loaded with a ton of resources for, for policyholders and some free resources for anyone if they visit our website. Awesome. And what I will say is that Corvus is, is a part of the cyber insurance industry that's leading the charge as far as uh, improving security for everybody. Right now, there's, you know, regulation lags, law enforcement lags, everything else is lagging. So, you know, the adjustments, the policies, and, and really the, the controls that insurance vendors are requiring are actually what is improving the security for everybody. That's, that that is, is beating any other control mechanism in the pace of improving security. So, uh, thank you for being a part of that and for helping, you know, improve security for everybody. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I, I absolutely love it. I, I love what I do. I, I love helping organization, you know, harden their security so they can save money and prevent, keyword, prevent any cyber related incidents. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was a great discussion. Um, and for any of you that are, are listening, uh, please subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. New episodes are generally every other Wednesday. Uh, for more information about Arium, go to www.arium.com. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.